With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Yeah.
baseball. We got 13 days before college football really kicks off. And then we another five more days out, so 18 days out from opening night, uh, the NFL season and getting into the uh, – Getting getting into uh, pigskin flying all over the place, right? So, uh, yeah, man, lots going on. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to get to work. Okay, sports. Do we have an oldie but goodie? This guy needs no introduction. Um, but he's not even an oldie but goodie because he's he's around here cooking some stuff up, you know. But um, we him go at it a lot. That's my big brother. Here, December guy like me, you know, he shared it with me in Sports City because, you know, Sports City birthday in December, too. My birthday's in December, too. Mr. Controversy birthday in December, too. You know, also December guy, Chandler Knight is in the building, everybody. So, 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 we got Chandler here this morning. Mr. Knight, how are you? Welcome to the brunch. I'm all right, man. I'm getting better. Uh, hey, Mike, what's up, man? Sorry I missed you the other night, man. I was tired from that fishing trip. But uh, it's good to be here, you know, and be able to breathe again. <laughs> Okay, so now he want to be Tony Braxton. It's okay. He want to breathe again and be Tony Braxton. That's cool. We 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 got him. No worry. He he he's in water. He's doing he's doing all type of stuff. That's that's a good thing. I got to take care of him, man. Because if if, we, if he leave it to me, I'm gonna get him some wings and some steel reserve. Don't worry. I, I know how to feed him. I know how to feed him. That's that's the crazy part. So he in the brunch with me. He in the brunch with me. So I'm I'm a little excited. I got Chandler here. He know how I go. He know how I roll. So so let me get into this because I'm telling you. This weekend had some ups and downs, and the downs I'm going to be really mad about, so y'all stay tuned for that. But the ups, I'm I'm still a, a little bit on cloud nine about some of the stuff. But first things first, do this quickly, get to, like, to the orders of the situation. First, there was a fight in UFC, um, and this was long-awaited. Uh, champion at the time, Eljamain Sterling, ended up fighting Sean O'Malley. And um, Sterling was on a nine-fight winning streak and um, had the belt. His last fight, Sean O'Malley had entered the octagon and was jawing off to him. They set the fight up. All of the electricity was there. Even before the fight began, you know how the ref tells you the rules. These guys didn't even want to listen to him. They just tapped gloves and went back to their corner. The ref was like, all right. First round goes by, you know, they're doing what they need to do. The second round comes around. They they still, it wasn't really like a fill-out, but they're doing what they need to do. It was like a pull punch that Sean O'Malley landed and knocked him clean out. Well, not not clean out, but he dropped him real good. And um, Sterling was on the ground trying to survive and couldn't. And he threw a couple of blows to hit him in his face. And this is the one part that made me mad. The ref stopped him when he rolled over. As soon as he rolled over to try to get away from him, the ref stopped. And it was like, still was in motion. Like, it wasn't like he was out of the fight. But nevertheless, Sean O'Malley won. Um I, I feel bad for Sterling because he was uh, he's a New Yorker in the middle of Boston, and Sean O'Malley is from Arizona, but O'Malley and Boston, well, you could figure how the Irish stuff goes around. But the anticipation of the fight for Sean O'Malley to finally get his championship and the way that he won it in that type of form was super electric watching that fight. There was another fight before, too, if, if anybody heard of Ian Gary the fight that he put up against um, the guy, uh, I, his name is Stephen, like Magny or something. Like he beat the living crap out of him. And in the, the second and third round, he was flipping the bird in his face, not even like like two inches away. Like, no, like making sure the glove touched his face. I'm like, he is being so disrespectful. And just like I said, in Boston, it's so Irish 
love like this is this is an Italian culture in, in Boston too, but you could just, it it was all green in there yesterday and um I was there for it. I I seen all of it and the octagon was lit yesterday, um I must say. But that the Sterling O'Malley fight was something to have watched. If you did not see any of that fight, electric stuff, um I I just had to get that out there to the people. I don't know if you heard about the fight, Mike. Did you you hear anything about it? Yeah, you know, this was interesting because, uh, like you said, Sterling came in on that win streak. He was starting to get a lot of pop as far as, you know, in the top five or uh, in some people's minds even higher on the sort of pound-for-pound list as far as best pound-for-pound fighter. Uh, But O'Malley had been on a run in his own right. And so, you know, been a lot of build-up to this fight. Uh, And... And I'm kind of surprised. I thought Sterling, uh, I thought Sterling had enough to get this done, but uh, was not to be. And, and Sean O'Malley gets to, you know, realize that dream and walk out of champion. So now Sean O'Malley, we'll, we'll see who we end up fighting next. But right now he's on cloud nine, and um, he was calling. You know, that's the one thing about UFC. They start calling people out left and right, and uh, he called out Tito and basically said, "Wasn't his fight born?" But we'll try to set that up. I'll fight him anywhere, any place. And that was, that was cool to hear that. And the Ian Gary situation, he called out Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. So those were two of the big fights. And then, um, you know, there was the, uh, a women's fight that was the, uh, the co-main event. And Amanda lost her fight with probably one of the best fighters I have ever seen in women's fighting. Forget just boxing or however you may look at it, but um, in UFC, this girl is probably the best thing moving um, ever. And I'm up here like I think Amanda, this isn't Amanda New Year. This is like Amanda Lemos, I think. That's how you say her name, if I'm not mistaken. But um, Zang, yeah, Lemos. And Zang, um, <laughs> This girl does not play around. If you have not seen her fight, my goodness. Like, I felt so bad for Amanda. I'm like, yo, please. Somebody, I was like, call the cops how bad she was getting beat up in that fight. Oh, my God. At one point, she pinned Amanda Lemos's arm so bad that all she had exposed to her was her, her head. And it was like in her stomach. And she was hammer fisting her so much. Incredible. Incredible. Like like oh my goodness, that fight was ridiculous. For a cold main event and Amanda could actually fight, but she got torn to pieces. Um great stuff. Mike, I don't know if you caught that one, but I'll get away from this if so. But that was another great fight that, that happened last night. Yeah, it was it was definitely uh you know, it it, it, it was just short of being able to file charges for assault battery, uh, on that one. Amanda really kind of uh <laughs> took it on the chin for real. Yeah, that 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 was my UFC. Like like that that was incredible stuff in Boston. They did give us the fireworks. I'm not gonna lie. This is this is a good ending of August. I must say the dog days are coming to a close. And believe me, I'm I'm glad that I caught that. Well, we got Mr. Knight in the building, so I got to start feeding people. Um, we're gonna talk a little baseball. We're gonna talk the diamond. Um. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, do we all got something to talk about in our respective teams and divisions or teams that we did follow. So I don't know where to go first, which division to go to first, but um, I really feel like uh, 
there's a, there's there's substance here, uh, to say the least. Um, well, 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 I'll try to do it as easy as I possibly can. I'll go to the NL East to feed Mike with the best team in baseball at this point in time. The Atlanta Braves are 80 and 42, leading the league and leading their division as well. The Philadelphia Phillies are now in second place, 67 and 56, 13 and a half back, looking like a threat for one of the wild card positions. We'll see as September comes around. Miami is now 64 61. Still sitting in the middle of the pack after having a great start to the season, 17 and a half back. The New York Mets. Whoa, the New York Mets. And Mike knows I punish these guys every week. 58 and 66, 23 games back. Whoa, the money spent. The Washington Nationals are 56 and 68, 25 games back. Chandler, I'll come to you first. Your thoughts on the NL East, the teams that have been mentioned do you think anybody will be moving in this upcoming week? Do you think the Marlins could catch the Phillies? Can the Phillies close some of this gap on the Braves? Uh, excuse me. No, I don't think the Marlins can catch the Phillies. I think the Marlins, I still like them for that last wild card. Um, but even if they don't make it, I think they'll make a representative effort. They're about a year away. They're, they're here a year too soon. And and even though the team made moves at the deadline, they didn't really make big moves, you know, because I think the, the management realized that they're here a year too soon. But, excuse me, I like uh, the Marlins. I like what they're doing. I like how they're leaning into the fact that they don't hit home runs, but they just put the balls in play. They're athletic. They run. They pitch. They field. Um, you can win a lot of games that way. You know, and now going into next season, I think if they can make a couple of moves, get one big bat in there, um, I like what they're doing. Philly is Philly. Um, I expected Philly at some point to, you know, kind of make a run. Now, they didn't let Atlanta get too far ahead. Atlanta ain't going to get caught. But <clears throat> I, I, I can see the Phillies getting in the playoffs, absolutely. And as for the Mets, I mean, the Nationals, we know they're like three years away. Uh, the Mets, listen, this is Buckshaw Walter's M.O. Um, it usually takes longer. He gets a team. They start winning. He starts refusing to play young players. It costs his team games. He gets them to the, he gets them to the club, but he can't get them in the VIP. Okay? That's Buck's career. The Yankees, the Rangers, you name the team, and he got them to the club, but he never got them in the VIP. Um, they should have played the young players earlier. They were bringing guys up, and Buck refused to play them. You know, if it wasn't for the fact that Narvaez got hurt, Wilson, uh, Francisco Alvarez never would have played, okay? Never would have played. And then you add in the fact that they had all the nonsense going on in the clubhouse because Scherzer was jealous of Verlander, and now they run in their mouth after the fact that they're all gone. Um, listen, this is Buck Showalter's M.O., um, he's going to be gone next season. And, listen, it, this team should have been far better. But, Buck, I blame Buck Showalter for this because had he played those young players when they first came up, you brought up Vientos and then you sat him on the bench and, well, maybe he needs to be somewhere else. Really? Really? Okay. But you kept playing damn uh, Daniel Vogelbach. Okay? Come on, man. No. Um, this is all on Buck Showalter to me with the Mets. 
is it really going to be him getting fired? Like, yeah, I think they will because they got to pin this to somebody. But who makes this better? Like, they got all of the names that they need to, and they still couldn't do nothing. Like, the one that I feel the best for, I love Peter Lonzo. I love the way that he plays. But it's like he's hitting in the middle of this team where they are, you know, walking on eggshells the same way that I'll get to the other team out in California, the Angels, with Shohei. It's like, what happens? Like, are y'all on this situation of ending up losing these players when their next contract comes around? So it's bigger than Buck at the end of the day, but I do get it. They will pin this to him, and I do think that I agree. He probably will get let go at the end of the season the way that all the turmoil went, especially for you to have Verlander and Scherzer come this season and both of them leave this season. Like, like I, un, unreal, especially for where they are in the NL East at this point in time. Mike, your thoughts on the NL East? What's been mentioned by Chandler if you'd like to respond as well? Yeah, so, I mean, looking at this, the Braves have gotten too far out on everybody. Um, you know, all you got to know is yesterday they played the Giants. Giants threw their best pitcher in Logan Webb. The Braves started uh, Robinson, Yanni Torino, who, who basically got let go from Tampa. Tampa had three injuries to their starters, and they still didn't keep this guy, and they could use starters, and the Braves still found a way to win this game. So, uh, I mean, just this team has five guys over 25 home runs. They're on the verge of breaking home run records. A guy that we hadn't really talked about, Marcelo Zuna, couldn't get his average over 100 before the end of May. Um uh, now he's on a 16-game hitting streak and really raking in the middle of this lineup. Um, and then Michael Harris moving into the two-hole with Ozzy out. He had a terrible, terrible start. But in the last couple of months, he's had one of the highest averages in, in the game. And is now up almost up around 290. And so, uh, you know, the second-year guy kind of overcoming uh, what looked like possibly a sophomore slump. Uh, and this team's just finding a way to get it done. And Quietly, they made some moves at the trade deadline. No big names, but the guys that they got, the, the relievers they got, have been able to contribute uh, out of the bullpen from them, Brad Hand and, and Pierce Johnson. And uh, so they, they made a couple moves on the fringe to, you know, try to, I guess, supplement this roster with a few little extra pieces. And uh, this team's playing good ball. They hit sort of a down spot a couple weeks ago, losing series in Chicago and whatever, but. Uh, you know, now they bounce back. And uh, the question is, can they set the franchise record for wins? Can they break the home run record? There's all kinds of things that, you know, they're they're sort of chasing historically. I uh, Phillies are definitely a playoff team. Trey Turner's starting to get hot. He's been one of the most, uh, you know, looking at that, coming off that big contract, he's kind of been under, he's kind of underperformed this year. But he looks to be kind of getting the tip right just in time for the playoffs. So uh, Philly's definitely going to be a problem. I do think the Marlins right now have been able to win a few games and at least stay in that wild card race. You know, we talk about them at 64 wins, so let's remember that number as we go through the rest of the league um, to see where everybody else takes out. And to Chandler's point, like, they're athletic. They, the Marlins, they, they hit the ball. They make it on the base passes, uh, on the base pass. But you do have – Jorge Soler is having a pretty good year, giving them some pop. And so you got to think, maybe you add another bat. Maybe that Jake Berger stays around and plays third base next year for them um, and can repeat his 
you know, 30 home run season that he's probably going to finish with this year. So uh, the Marlins have a ton of young pitchers, and they're going to be, you know, in that discussion for a while. Uh, as far as New York goes, like, you can't always win, you know, win championships in the offseason, right? It looked real good um, until it didn't. So looking at uh, New York, I agree. You know, the the one thing that's going to be different here is in the last couple of places, well, it, it, Baltimore sort of fell off right after he left. But you think about Yankees, they win the year after he's gone. The Diamondbacks, they, year, they win the year after he's gone. It didn't happen in Baltimore. It's not going to happen here. Uh, they're trying to rebuild their system, though, so we'll see. But I think the, the Mets are a little ways away. And the Nationals are only sitting a couple games behind them. Uh, the Mets have been able to beat up on the Cardinals this weekend to sort of stave off the Nationals a little bit, and they're starting to hit a little bit, but they go to Atlanta this week. So, I mean, there's a possibility we can get three teams in the playoffs, um, at least two probably for sure, uh, barring some uh, major problems right now. But, yeah, I mean, today we do have to say that uh, the Atlanta Braves are, are definitely right now uh, the best team in baseball. Now, we'll see come postseason, but right now they're sitting pretty. Um, not so fast. Record-wise, they do have the lead, but I'll answer that quickly. The Dodgers are right behind them, so we'll go right to the National League West. The Dodgers are on complete fire, no pun intended, but, boy, they had a hell of a streak going on, and um, that just got broken up. They are 76-47 at this time right now leading the NL West, being followed by the San Francisco Giants. They are 64-59, and 59, 12 games back. The Diamondbacks are 64-61, and 61, 13 back. The San Diego Padres are 59-66, and 66, 18 back. This is very disappointing. I do not like seeing the Padres like this with all the talent that they do have there. Um, but they look like they're going to end up finishing under 500. That That is one thing that's puzzling me with at least the bats that they do have in San Diego and rounding out the bottom of the division, worst team in that division is the Colorado Rockies. They're 48-75, and 75, 28 games back. The Giants have made this interesting in that division, staying in second place and um, doing a fair amount of their wins to stay afloat. But I don't think they could get back into this to catch the Dodgers, especially the run the Dodgers just went on recently. Um, Arizona, as we talked about you know, throughout the season, was at least hot at one point, staying atop the division. But they're sitting right at, at – you know, a little bit above 500, middle of the division. I don't know if they could get back into the wild card scheme of things, but the Dodgers definitely have the division. I wonder if another wild card comes out of this division. Chandler, your thoughts on the NL West? Um, I'll start with Arizona. I like the fact that I think Arizona is going to finally have a winning record. I've been saying for a couple of years they have too much talent down there to not be better. Um, obviously not going to make the playoffs. I think they're right on time when it comes to the, the maturation of the players and the franchise. Um, they just need more. They just need a little more seasoning. Um, the Giants, I expected, again, this, this this division is kind of falling out the way I thought it would, except for San Diego. And I said when they hired whichever Melvin it is, Bob or Doug, I think it's Bob Melvin, when they hired him, I said, why are you hiring a guy who never maximized his talent in Oakland. And everybody says, oh, but right, you know, they made the playoffs. You made me, made me, made me, made me. Bob Melvin has never maximized the talent on his roster, ever. 
Think about the teams he had in Oakland and think about the, the flameouts that they had, okay? And what's happening to the Padres? You got a, a clubhouse in turmoil because the manager can't control it. He's throwing players under the bus left and right. He's making snide remarks. You got guys who are jealous of each other. It's, it's a dumpster fire there. Um, there's too much talent in San Diego for them to be where they are. So, again, exactly. fire Bob Melvin. He got to go. And I Whoa. said he never should have been hired, um, but he got to go. He got to go. And what they should have done was move Soto at the trade deadline and got some assets back because all their assets are on other teams now. All their good young talent are on other teams. They should have moved Darvish. They should have moved Soto. And they should have moved Blake Snell. Um, the Dodgers, I, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. You know, uh, I expected them to be good. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah, they started off slow, but it's the Dodgers. So the West is kind of shaking out the way I thought it would, um, including the fact that Bob Melvin failed to maximize the talent on his roster once again. But yet I keep getting people telling me he's a good manager. No, he's not. They need to move him now. That's very interesting. Um, the reason why I feel like, and this is me personally, I think they're sitting on him because they don't want to be the team responsible for losing all of that talent, especially they just got Soto. they you know, trying their best to keep you Darvish in there until he can find himself. And that's the one thing that me and Mike talked about a lot is that their pitching staff needs to get it together in, in San Diego, and they just can't, especially to, like, hold off some of these teams. Because for them to be that loaded with talent, for them to be eight games under 500, it's like come or seven games, excuse me, seven games under 500, it's like get your act together. So, somebody got to take this personal. It's like you said, Chandler, if, if these guys have ego trips and don't like each other, somebody got to have that players-only meeting, settle the air, and get going. But it ain't going to do it this year. This, this is a next-year thing. This is a, a year-and-a-half, two-year situation to try to turn this around. And, and, of course, we all know what's been happening at the beginning of the season, how, uh, you know, you get the situation with Tatis and him being missing so many games and, and things of that nature. So it's already behind the gun, but for them to have this type of talent potential, however you look at it, they should not be sitting there swimming, trying to find themselves at this point in time in August. Like this is just baffling to me, Mike, your thoughts on the NL West. And, and just like I said, the Braves may be the best team in baseball, but the Dodgers are waving in their rearview mirror. Oh, trust me, I see him too. Four and a half back, and the Dodgers team coming up that big winning streak. They got it broken on Friday night, and what do they do? They turn around and win two yesterday. As we know that a lot of the games in Southern California, the three Southern California teams moved their Sunday games up and played yesterday, played two because of the storm coming in. So uh, looking at that, Dodgers bounce back, went both yesterday. Mookie Betts now with 34 home runs, coming up on 90 RBIs. Uh, really, really stabilizing that Dodgers lineup. We talked about them, and uh, I talked about them pretty in-depth this past Thursday night as well as far as this team has their their anchor guys. Uh, they've gone with the youth and stuff this year, and this is the year you better get them. Like, I, I feel like they're going to be better in the next couple years to come because the Dodgers uh, always are. So uh, definitely – you know, they're a lot closer to the Braves than anybody is to them in that division. <clears throat> and uh, to me, I think it's going to take a shot. I mean, Dodgers and the Braves are going to be the two teams probably that get by going into the playoffs. 
And then looking at the rest of this division, you know, the Giants sitting there uh, where they are and just looking at them, this is a team that is underperforming offensively. They're doing okay on the mound, but they're like 20th uh, in baseball offensively. Uh, that offense is really kind of starting to struggle. Can they work their way through it? I don't know. The Diamondbacks, after such a terrible stretch, I mean, this team was 16-plus games over 500, went 7-23 and 23 in the next 30 and just fell off a cliff. Uh, they're starting to bounce back and get a few wins. Yesterday felt big, uh, if for nothing else, because they saved them off for a little while. You know, going into that doubleheader yesterday, there were three games separating the Diamondbacks and the Padres. And so, you know, if you get a split, it's still three. If the Padres had happened to sweep both ends of that, they were in a game of the Diamondbacks. But the Diamondbacks got them both to push the Padres a little bit further back. So now Padres are sitting five back of the Diamondbacks now. Um, so they, they were able to create a little bit of distance right there. Uh, this team, you know, if, if they can come out of this and, and really reel off some wins, this team could still contend for the playoffs. But Chandler's right. I mean, they may be they're, – they're about right on schedule. So <clears throat> we'll see. I, I like some of the moves that they made. That's a talented squad there. I really like Corbin Carroll. Um, a lot as a player, but the Diamondbacks right there. That's, I think you said 64 wins right there, 63 or 64. So they're right there uh, with the Marlins in contention for that playoff spot. You know, we're about to hit the central in a minute to hit the other teams that are there. Uh, but this team legitimately has a shot at the playoffs. The crazy thing is, TP. I think we could see anywhere from one to three teams in this division make the playoffs, uh, and so it'll probably end up being two. But uh, the Giants got to be careful. The, the Diamondbacks, as, as bad as they uh, struggled or whatever, they're still kind of right in their rear view, a couple, two to three games back right there. So, uh, you know, still a lot to be sort of decided in this division. I feel like that not being able to take advantage of that doubleheader yesterday, um, I think the Padres may have sealed their fate as a fourth-place team. I mean, we'll see anything can happen, but if this team's going to do anything other than finish in fourth place, they're going to have to get hot like yesterday. Um, the Rockies are still – the Rockies, you know, they're they're doing their thing this weekend against the subpar team in Chicago and beating up on them. Uh, but, you know, the the Rockies are one of those organizations really that don't, doesn't have much of a direction right now as far as where they're going to go. It's not like you've got a couple guys who just won't wait till they get up. Um, I like the young shortstop, and I like some of the pieces there, but – uh, there's a, a lot of, you know, a few other teams in that division that definitely have it a lot more together. So definitely going to continue to be an uphill struggle for the Rockies in this division. But I'm really impressed with what we've seen out of the Dodgers and the way they've been able to kind of throw it together on the mound and still find a way to get it done. And this team is uh, this team's a problem. They're getting into, you know, they're, they're, they're playing good ball at the right time down the stretch. And like I said, as good as Atlanta's been uh, and as dominant at times as they've looked this year, the Dodgers are just four and a half games back. So uh, they're lurking. There's a race for real, um, even for the number one seed in the National League. Okay, so I think at best two. I don't think the Diamondbacks will get to the playoffs. I don't think so. They did well out the gate. They're going to have to play consistent. I've seen them at least in a series with the Twins. 
and they'll lose games late. Their uh, their starting pitchers are up and down. You're not getting consistency out of them. Um, but we'll see, uh, especially the way things took off a gallon in them early. But uh, from what I saw with them in Minneapolis, it was like I don't know if they have it together right now, especially to try to at least catch the Giants and the division I want to get into, which makes it very interesting. And I'm going to talk a little, like, bias here because I do like one of the teams just because of the history behind them and the NL Central. The NL Central is being led by the Milwaukee Brewers, who are sitting at 67 and 57, leading the division. The Chicago Cubs are 63 and 59. They are three games back. The Cincinnati Reds are 64 and 60. They're three games back. The Pittsburgh Pirates are 55 and 68. They're 11 and a half out. And the St. Louis Cardinals, 54 and 70. This season just fell apart for them. They are 13 games back. Did not think it would get this bad, but I feel like they let a lot of this go. They're already talking about letting go of some big names already and O'Neal already, and that's a, a big battle for them. But um, the bias part that I wanted to get to is um, I like the way Cincinnati's, you know, come together and put this together to run that they're on, and they have a better record at this point in time than the Diamondbacks, so this puts pressure on them. And also the one that I feel like I want to see win the division is the Chicago Cubs, not the Brewers. The Brewers have always been at the top of this division year after year, and it's like they do nothing with it. All the time it's like they they – are somewhere in the wild card or lead the division, get into the playoffs and get bumped. It's like enough of the storyline. If if the Cubs already broke the curse, they did what they needed to do with this Billy Goat curse, and they already put this magic together to get back into this race, it's like I want to see the Cubs do it again. And the biasness is I'm a big Cody Bellinger fan. I do want to see Cody do work and knowing the Yankees have already enticed them, like, well, we're going to try and go get Cody. No, please let the Yankees suffer. They always buy a good player and – if something happens, they try to pin it to them, so on and so forth. I'm tired of it. Let them, let the Cubs build off of what they have right now. Everybody don't have to suck for the Yankees to go out there and spend billions of dollars to not even bring one championship back since 2009. Like, no, like, let anybody else develop. No, it's not to help you guys. So I want to see the Cubs at least keep putting the chase on for the Brewers, try to get to the top because they are not that far back. They're three games out. I think they could do it. But Cincinnati makes this interesting, too, because they, they are basically locked uh, how the records look at this point in time. Uh, Chandler, your thoughts on the NL Central, the teams that I mentioned, and, you know, if you agree or disagree with what I said with the Cubs and the Reds. Well, I want the Reds to win the division. Um, I'm going to start with Cincinnati because <clears throat> I'm old enough to remember the big red machine. Okay? I'm old enough to remember seeing Joe Morgan and, and Ken Griffey Sr. and Joe Youngblood and, 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 and Don Gullett and Johnny Bench and Dave Concepcion and <laughs> Tony Perez, okay? Um, I'm old enough to remember all of them. So I think it's a shame what has happened to that franchise. People don't realize that Cincinnati is one of the cornerstone franchises of Major League Baseball. They've been around that franchise. There's been a franchise in Cincinnati longer than there's been Major League Baseball. Okay, so I would love to see Cincinnati um, win that division because those fans deserve it. Uh, that area deserves it. That team deserves it. That that's a franchise that should be good, and they got so much talent. Um, I like what the Cubs did, and uh, me and Mike talked about that on our show on Thursdays before the season started. That I thought the Cubs was going to be a lot better than people were giving them credit for because of the players they brought in. Because I thought Bellinger would do well in Chicago because 
He's not a home run hitter. He's a guy who hits home runs. And in Chicago, he's gotten back to his stroke of, listen, he's just going gap to gap. And the ball goes out, the ball goes out. Okay, and with the Dodgers, they had him trying to lift and separate everything, and he wound up tearing up his shoulder. Now, the fact that he's healthy is also playing Mm -hmm. into this. You know, you don't lose that type of talent. Uh, He was hurt, you know, and he wasn't really healthy. So I like what Chicago has done. You write about Milwaukee. Milwaukee has pissed away so many opportunities. Um, It's not even funny, you know. And, And, again, I said this, I think it was the first week of the season, Mike, and if you remember when when um, Oliver Marmol threw Tyler O'Neill under the bus twice in two days, and I said right then he lost he had lost that clubhouse and they should fire him. Okay, look at what's happened to that team. Look at what they've done. You took Dylan Carlson and basically said you're not gonna play anymore. I mean, it, it, this 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 dude is a clown. All right, Marmol's a clown. The reason that team is, you know, and there was a whole key fire, yes, yes. When it's the manager's fault, fire the manager. He was given a roster full of talent, okay, and he couldn't maximize that talent. Instead, he made it worse. Think about the fact that this is a team that needed pitching, and they traded away pitching because of how badly guys were playing under Marmo, all right? So the Cardinals, yeah, yeah, you got to go. Ali, you got to go, buddy. But um, I'm, I'm rooting for Cincinnati. I really want to see them get in the playoffs. Um, they have such exciting young talent, and the whole world needs to see it. Mike, agree or disagree with what's been mentioned by Chandler and myself, and your thoughts on the NL Central uh, record-wise, do you think somebody else could get, well, at least the top there, I don't think Pittsburgh or St. Louis could get into this. Chandler definitely made it interesting about the St. Louis situation if they can't hang on to uh, O'Neal, O'Neal's going to have a lot of suitors that want him. This guy's been actually hitting the ball late, too. So go ahead and get rid of him. You already broke this team up as best as possible, and I, I feel like they lost the clubhouse, too. For these guys to be severely under 500 like that after the storm that they've been making for the past couple of seasons, this, this is, there's no excuse for this out of the Cardinals organization. No, there's not. And um, I agree with a lot of what Tanner said. I would like to see them. And this is a division – you know, this is the other spot where you could get, I don't think you will, but you could get as many as three teams in the playoffs. Keep in mind, the Marlins are at 64 wins. You got 63 and 64 by the second and third place teams here. And the Giants are at 67 wins with an offense. No, the Giants have 64. The Giants have 64 wins. The Giants have 64. Okay, so Giants at 64 as well. So, all these teams right here, Diamondbacks, uh, Giants, the two teams that don't win the Central, and the Marlins, all right there contending for those last two uh, wild card spots, assuming the Phillies get the first one. So uh, this is going to make the pennant race really interesting as far as, like, not necessarily for the pennant, but just to see who gets into the playoffs. So this is uh, definitely kind of interesting. I, I hope the Reds find a way to win the division, too. A ton of talent. I don't know that they're going to have enough pitching this year, but they're starting to get some of their guys back. Uh, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft has been pretty good since he's been back. So they're starting to get some of their arms back, um, which can do nothing but help them. But, yeah, Cincinnati is a, a really fun, exciting team to watch play. Um, you know, you talk about Cody Bellinger a minute ago. I was looking through the major league leaders. That guy's up to 326 this year. 
is a former MVP, a guy people thought had really lost it. What a uh, fantastic season he's having. You know, I hate to see the Stroman injury because that was the other piece the Cubs had been talking about uh, trading off, and they didn't, and now he's banged up. Uh, another guy that's been really good for Chicago is Justin Steele. So uh, just looking around this division, uh, you know, looking at Milwaukee, Freddie Peralta is really starting to pitch well. He pitched really well against Texas yesterday. Corbin Burns has been uh, pretty solid at the top of that rotation. Now you got Brandon Woodruff back. They also made a couple moves to try to help their offense a little bit. You know, having lost Garrett Mitchell early in the season, uh, you know, for the rest of the year, they went and got Mark Canha from New York. Um, and then you have – so Willie Adames, who has never hit this low in his life, is only hitting about 210 right now, but he's really starting to catch fire. So if if he gets hot at the shortstop position, that could really uh, help Milwaukee. Uh, you know, if you keep thinking they're going to kind of fade and then they, they bounce back and play some pretty good ball. So uh, Milwaukee is definitely going to be in this conversation. Uh, but I think any one of these three – uh, do have the potential to make the playoffs. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. You know, St. Louis, I've talked about them. You know, there was a time this year that I said they were the most uh, disappointing team in baseball. Uh, you know, they, they hadn't spent the money and whatever, whatnot that the Mets spent, so I think the Mets probably trumped that now. But even then, I mean, you look at these two teams and, they're you know, they're getting their teeth kicked in by the Mets this weekend. Uh Daniel Vogel back, the aforementioned guy, hit the grand slam yesterday in the Doris good game. Uh, the Mets beat them pretty soundly yesterday, and the Mets beat them Friday night as well, I believe. So uh, St. Louis just having a, a tough time. Uh, this is a team that, you know, I, I think around baseball, a lot of people almost counted as a given that this team was going to win the, uh, the Central Division this year. And, you know, I, I don't know if they'll catch Pittsburgh. Right, like it's sad because two teams that had such aspirations, and the main storyline for both the Cardinals and the Mets are going to be can they avoid finishing in last place? Uh, but just looking around this division, man, so much, so much talent in Cincinnati. Christian Encarnacion hits the the walk off home run on Friday night. Uh, Cincinnati hit a, you know, they kind of hit a slide too. They took it on the chin. Uh, for a couple weeks, but they, they, you know, they're bouncing back. They split with Toronto so far, uh, but you know, Cincinnati is a lot of fun to watch. For anybody that hasn't really gotten a chance to watch them, definitely take a look at those guys. Uh, but like I said, all three of these teams legitimately have a, a shot at this at the postseason. Okay, let me get out of the NL and get to the better of the leagues in the major leagues, and that's the American League. The reason why I say that is across the board, I feel like there's more competition to make this race toward the end of September even that much more critical at this point in time. I don't even know where to start because it's gotten this much better. So I will go to my division because I at least feel somewhat I can't even say comfortable because it's, it's a good race here. <laughs> it's a good race here, but uh, nevertheless, I'm I'm happy that these guys are at least trying to find themselves somehow, some way. And the worst part about all of this is, <laughs> I, I, it's gonna pain me to say this, and I've been saying this for the past two or three weeks with Mike too. Is do we bring Buxton back? Like, do we let him fully heal? Do we get him like 30 days of spinach? Do we get him? a cow and let him drink milk every day. Like, I don't, I don't know what else it is. They made him a DH so they could try to keep him safe and 
not watch him get injured. And, of course, here goes Byron Buxton again, injured again. And it was like, what? Like, what, what's going on? Like, and now they're actually out there in Minnesota talking about, well, they want to have him back in the field again. In the words of Chandler Knight, really? Really? Like, so, so we did all of this. Michael Taylor is playing gold glove baseball in center field, and now y'all want to put Buxton back in the field now. Like, I, I don't get it. But for some odd reason, the Twins are actually playing better baseball, but they just have to be consistent. That's the only thing about the Twins that bother me. They'll win some games, they'll lose some games. Even games that they're supposed to win, they will let those games slide. But still, they have a five-game lead in the division. They are sitting at 64-60 and 60 at this point in time, being followed by the Cleveland Guardians, who are 59-65, and 65, five games back from the Twins. The Detroit Tigers are slowly trying to creep up this list. They are 56 and 67, seven and a half back. The Tigers have been playing some interesting ball as of late, but their record doesn't show it. They have one of the best records in the league within the division, playing teams in their division up against the Twins, the Guardians, the White Sox, and the Royals. The White Sox are 48 and 75, 15 and a half back. People, um, the wheels have fallen off at Chicago. Tim Anderson has released a statement on, you know, the apologetics saying that he's sorry and he let the organization down and apologized to the fans. But I didn't know that this dude had a, you know, an anger issue or problems like that. And um, I'm wondering what Chicago does. This guy has not actually been hitting the ball as of he was in previous years. He hasn't even had a high home run total at this point in time. I feel like they're going to deal him. I don't know if they do get rid of him this season coming up, but um, he's a good player, but he didn't show it this year, and especially for all of the disarray that he's caused within the clubhouse as well as what happened in Cleveland, it's tough to see him go. I don't want them to deal him within the doggone division, get him out of here, like, like cause he, he does cause havoc when he is on, but right now with all of the eyes on him, I feel like it's unfair, but hearing a lot of the players out of the clubhouse, especially the ones that just got dealt, saying that it's total chaos in Chicago. There's no rules within that clubhouse. I want to know what's going on in the south side of Chicago. And rounding out the bottom of the division, one of the worst teams in baseball is the Kansas City Royals. They're sitting at 40 and 85, 24 and a half back. Um, I'll come to you first on this one, Chandler. Your thoughts on the AL Central, how this pans out. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to start with your twins. And even though I know your twins are in first place, but everybody in the front office should be fired. <laughs> they should I, agree be fired. I agree okay. with you. I agree I'm with sorry. you. Yeah. I agree Pat. with you. Pat. I agree with you. Because yes, I agree number with you. Number one, you never should have gave Bucks in that contract. You knew he couldn't stay God. healthy then. Okay? God. And you had an opportunity to, to sell high, and you chose not to. Okay? So you deserve everything you're going to get because I don't care what you do. Buxton is a quick twitch athlete with tight muscles. Remember Jose Reyes could not stop uh, pulling hamstrings just because of how his body was built. And as he got older, it stopped (laughs) because he wasn't as tightly coiled anymore. And then suddenly he was Mm -hmm. able to stay healthy. I think Buxton is kind of in a similar situation. Um, I think if they trade him, he'll suddenly stay healthy. It's not because they traded him. It's because he's gotten older, right? Um, and maybe he needs to do more. You'll, I don't know what it is, but his body is just his body is just not built for, for, for baseball. 
You understand? He's a tremendous athlete. This kid is a true mm-hmm. five tool player, but he ain't built for this. His body ain't built for this. For whatever for whatever reason, his body ain't built for this. Maybe he should just go run track somewhere. I don't know. But the right, entire right. front office should be fired. I'm sorry. Right. You know. <laughs> go do the high hurdles or something, man. Um the, <laughs> the implosion in Cleveland, I think, is because of the fact that Terry Francona has been in and out of that clubhouse because he's sick. Um, whatever health issue he has going on, and there is a health issue, um, he needs to, he needs to hang it up, man. And they need to start over. You can't have a manager who's not there. You can't have a manager who is ill. And and he, how can you focus on your job, man? When you got health issues, we we all have worked. We all know how it is when you got something going on with your health wise. You might think you're doing your best, but you're not. You understand what I'm saying? So I think Tito needs to go get healthy and, and go do television, you know, um, and and they need to start over in Cleveland. Kansas City, I'm calling it now. Kansas City next season are going to be the Baltimore Orioles. Watch and see. Watch and see. All right? And as far as Chicago goes, Ty, I've been saying this for years. You know, this Tim Anderson's a clown. He's a clown. All right? He's a clown. Yeah, and I'll go back to that nonsense with the whole Jackie. Who he called me Jackie. It was racist. You know, you called yourself the new age Jackie Robinson, you clown. So you deserve to get mocked for it. And, yeah, Chicago, Chicago needs to clean house again. Entire front office, gone. I'm not talking about the manager. Everybody in the front office, gone. You fired. You fired. You get a pink slip. You get a pink slip. You get a pink slip. They all got to go. Golly, where you play hit with the Oprah. That's the okay, okay. Um how do I break that down? Personally, Taylor, I want to see it happen to Cleveland because Cleveland is they've been one of the more consistent teams staying atop the division and, and to watch it slow down to something else and I agree with you. If Terry Francona is not in there in that dugout how how is the consistency gonna be there? Who do they believe in? Like his his assistant, like so it's tough, but they do have that offense that could supply runs, but people have been getting hurt at the wrong time for this team too, especially within the pitching staff also. So that's something that's been actually setting them back as well. Um I agree with you with the Chicago situation. I, I I feel the same way the way that you feel about Minnesota's front office, same way you feel about Chicago's front office is like what happened? Like like wh- why do you guys in the words of Chandler, why do you guys want to be the smartest guy in the room? Like, stop trying to do that. Like, Derek Falvey kills me, especially – and Mike knows ever since this season started. I've been mad. I'm, I'm talking about angry since they got rid of Arias. Like, how, how do you let him go? Like, how? Like, what, what did he do wrong? Like, like who did he piss off? This dude just won the batting title and you trade him? Like, who – what? Like, that ain't even logical sense to me. Like, like what team would do that? Like, I, I don't get that. Like, that bothers me. And to me, in, in behind now, the Twins are in so much disarray. We still have problems. To me, and I'm biased, but I feel like I could, you know, stand ten toes down on this. The Twins have one of the best farms in baseball. You got to see all the outfielders that they have coming in. Right now, the kid, Matt Warner, just came up, and this dude is slugging the hell out the ball. And they got another kid, Walker Jenkins, coming out of the, the South, and, and this kid is 18 years old, and they think he's the next thing. Like, He's a great defensive player and outfielder. And now, look, 
the guy that I love, Max Kepler, is hitting the crap out of the ball. Now you got a problem in the outfield. Somebody's going to have to go. So what, you going to let go of Max? Max is on fire, and this dude started his career there, and you don't want to watch him go, and he's a fan favorite. Like, this is what you set up now, uh, Minnesota. So, firstly, I, uh, I'm telling you, I can talk about these twins all day, and, and especially since Chandler want to lift that rock and talk about that dog on front office from Falvey, all, all of y'all is disgusting. So, between that and then hearing what he said about Chicago and, and how all of the players from players leaving like Lance Lynn and all of them saying there's no rules in Chicago and, and they're letting this happen, you guys are a billion-dollar organization and watching that thing collapse. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't want to see the Royals be the best team in the division, but they do have a lot of potential there, and you can see it in games. I, I think their pitching staff is the one thing that has to be consistent. Uh, Mike, your, your thoughts on the AL Central, top to bottom, from what Chandler has mentioned, and I know there's something that you disagree or agree with as well. Yeah, so I'm going to start uh, Kansas City. I'm impressed with Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, he kind of struggled last year, kind of weighed the world on this guy's shoulders, but, you know, this guy legit has a chance to be a 30-30 guy at the shortstop position this year. Uh, really has taken a big step forward in his development. Uh, listen, there's a – and we've talked about these guys in Cincinnati and other places, but, like, <clears throat> I think all should stop and, and and appreciate the fact that there's so much youth coming into this game and so much talent that's just starting to come into the game now, which I think bodes well for the game moving forward. So Bobby Witt Jr. taking a big step forward in Kansas City. Um, I, I respect your views, Chandler. I, I just think that this Kansas City team – is a little bit too far away pitching-wise to make as big a jump as you're talking next year. But I think they'll be competitive. You know, looking at Detroit, that's an, that's one interesting piece, too, because if Kansas City had Detroit's pitching, maybe, right? So I look at Detroit, Scooball's on his way back or has been back. Uh, we'll see if Casey Myers can get back soon. Uh, Evan Rodriguez has been a nice little veteran presence for them. <clears throat> Detroit is closer to Cleveland now. Than they than Cleveland is to Minnesota. Like, the Detroit's half the distance away from Cleveland than Cleveland is from Minnesota. So, uh, uh, Cleveland's more likely to finish third than first in this division, to be honest with you. And you're starting to see some of the young hitters in Detroit take a step forward. Uh, Torgelson's gotten a little bit better. Riley Green, you know, in his second year, has shown some growth as well. <clears throat> it's crazy to think that. They spent all that money on Javier Baez from the Cubs, and I think he just hit his eighth home run yesterday. Uh, that's it, eight home runs uh, for that kind of money at the shortstop position. Um, so, but those two teams, I, I expect one or both of them to take a big step forward uh, next year in Kansas City and Detroit. Chicago, <clears throat> I agree with you that the front office needs to be gone. This is one that needs to be stripped to the studs. They need to completely rebuild this thing. I think you decide on a couple of pieces. I think Luis Robert probably stays there. I think Dylan Cease probably stays there <clears throat> as an anchor to your rotation. I, I I think you probably decide on, you know, what small handful of players <clears throat> from your major league roster do you want to be part of this rebuild? And then you, you build from there. But this is not a uh, get-fixed-quick kind of scenario. 
in Chicago. I mean, this is going to take some work. And like we talked about using these other organizations that are on the come up, like uh, it may, there may be a, a, a good many more dark days ahead on the south side of Chicago before we find the brighter days. Uh, so that is not a team that I have a whole lot of bright hopes um, for the future for right now. I feel like <clears throat> they're almost in a similar boat to Colorado. I just don't see the path forward right now. Uh, that could change, but that's kind of where I am. <clears throat> as far as Cleveland goes, I agree with the Francona comment. <clears throat> it, it's hard to be your best when you're not there. I also think for Cleveland, at the end of the day, having your best pitchers out for so much of the season, you know, Tristan McKenzie only pitched two or three times all year. Uh, Shane Bieber's now. <clears throat> their ace, Cy Young contender, missing a chunk of the season, taking the best two starting pitchers off of that team uh, really makes it tough. Uh, th- that's a team, though, that won't completely strip it down because – you still got Andre Jimenez, who they like. You're getting some of these younger guys like Gabe Arias and, and Will Brennan and some other guys <clears throat> a chance to play. You've got Jose Ramirez locked up. Who, I mean, if you ever wanted to trade him, you could probably get a lot for him because the contract is uh, is definitely affordable and long-term for, uh, you know, looking at that guy's production. But I, this Cleveland team does have some talent. It's funny because last year, they they showed so much promise in the postseason. It was really, you know, a, a lot of a common belief that this Cleveland team could be here for a while. <clears throat> and I think they can. I, I don't think you're going to see things completely stripped down in Cleveland. Uh, but they do need to – they need to get McKenzie uh, back. They need to get Bieber back and either keep him or get his value back up and trade him for assets, see what happens there. But Cleveland Cleveland doesn't need to kind of rebuild – that they need in Chicago uh, at all. <clears throat> but I do think, you know, that I think the the bigger question is, will they finish second or third in the division? <clears throat> Not can they win it. Minnesota sitting comfortably, you know, at well, five, eight games up. I agree with you about the front office <clears throat> in Minnesota. I just look around and see other teams contending and look at how many Twins players that I see on other rosters, you know, from Lamonte Wade and uh, San Francisco to Eddie Rosario in Atlanta to uh, Spencer Steer in Cincinnati to Tyler Wells, who's been really good uh, this year in Baltimore, though right now arm fatigue and whatever he's been sent down, but he's a big part of Baltimore being in first place. Luis Arias. So Pablo Lopez has been really good his last couple times out. And, you know, top five in the American League in strikeouts has been a good anchor in that rotation. But just so many Twins guys or guys that they could have had uh, that have been in other places uh, that are doing what this offense needs. Uh, Get on base, guys. Keep the line moving. Cut down the strikeout type of thing. Um, And you're right. Taylor does play really good defense uh, out there in center field. In fact, he's right around 20 home runs. As a plus, he's one of those guys like, as well as he can go get it, you just bat him ninth and leave him alone. Whatever you get <clears throat> offensively is a bonus, and he's done what they brought him in to do there. But this Minnesota team, man, I mean, you look, Pablo Lopez, 
Sonny Gray, Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan, uh, <clears throat> Maeda, they have pitchers. Um, Duran in the back of that bullpen, they, they've they got guys, and they got, you know, when these guys are healthy, they got some guys uh, that definitely have some pop in their bat. They do strike out a lot, which isn't uh, – <clears throat> which can be tough sometimes to be able to keep lines moving and and really put up runs in bunches. But uh, this t- Twins team has quietly played some pretty good ball to, you know, get where they are uh, in that division and sort of get in that catbird seat. And I just don't see – I don't I don't see anybody really, really testing them. They're going to be in the playoffs. Are they good enough to do anything when they get there? It's probably going to largely depend on the matchup. Uh, but I, I just wish that uh, they did something. Would do something in the front office. <clears throat> I feel like, though they they have plenty of talent. I feel like there's been uh, a lot of, shall we say, very questionable moves uh, made by that front office. So I agree that a shakeup needs to happen uh, in the Twin Cities as well in that front office. But your Twins doing all right. TP playing good ball lately, and I think they're going to be. Uh, I think they're going to be in good shape at least to to have a seat at the table come on silver. Yeah, don't don't get me started on um players across the MLB cuz I I could start listing off players left and right and the crazy part about it I started my little rant off on we we got the best farm in baseball. I could care less on I, we could argue it till we blew in the face. So much talent potential that they're moving people out and they're excelling elsewhere like and still got more talent to come in and actually compete. Like <laughs> What are you guys doing? Like, do we have a steroid farm? Like, well, I don't get it. Like, all of this talent and, and get rid of good players. It's like, why do we get rid of them? Why do we get rid of them? This is still the team that got rid of Tory Hunter when he was winning back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back gold gloves. You got rid of him? You sent them weird. Like, I, don't get me started. This this is them. And um, Spencer Torkelson, had, had, I'm tipping my hat off to you. This kid is a master. He is raking everything out of the park. If any pitcher feel like they can leave anything hanging over the plate, He's going to take you for a long walk, and you're not going to like it. He did that to the Twins, and I watched it happen. Like, this kid is the truth for him to be a young talent for Detroit. I'm, they are scary good. If they could keep their consistencies together, the Tigers are something to talk about. They're doing it within the division. They just have to spread that love throughout the rest of the MLB, and uh, we'll see from there. Okay, let me move away from this, and I'm going to say the best for last, so I'm going to go to the AL West. The AL West is being led, and it, this is where these divisions start to come around, just like I said. So the AL West is led by, at one point, very hot Texas Rangers team, 72-51, and 51, right? They went on that run a little while ago. The Houston Astros are right behind them. Here go Dusty up to his old tricks. Here we go. 70-54, and 54, two and a half back, and the Rangers were just running. They were going crazy just a little while ago. Like, what, what happens now? Do the Astros catch them and really try to defend their crown? I don't know, but Dusty – I tip my hat to you. Dusty Baker don't play around. Um, being followed by the surprise team of the division, the Seattle Mariners are 68 and 55, four games back. They are in the discussion. The Angels, whether I started off a little bit, just because of Shohei, the best player in baseball at this point in time. At least that's how I feel. Between him and Acuna makes it very interesting. They are sitting at 61 and 64, three games under 500, 12 games back, and they tried their best to try to put pieces around Shohei and then. It just fell all apart. Like, are y'all going to be able to keep him? Are you guys going to be the team responsible watching Shohei go somewhere else? I had shared this sentiment with Mike a while ago. Would you get rid of Trout to keep Shohei? And I'd say yes. 
Like, like that. That's just me. I mean, like we could throw that around the room again, but I don't need to. But um, the way Shohei has been playing, he is the MVP, no doubt. If if they give somebody else in the AL an MVP, I'm not watching baseball no more. I, y'all can have it. I'll, I'll stick to my football, basketball, and and just give up on baseball. I won't. I won't do it no more. So in my Rangers, I watch my hockey. But other than that, no. And they're rounding out the bottom of the division, the worst team in baseball, the one that pisses me off the most because it was one of the teams that my father followed since the Reggie Jackson days, the Oakland A's, 34 and 89. I was going to say 69. They are 30 game, 38 games back. So disgusting to watch this be probably one of their last 30. seasons in Oakland and, and, and literally look this bad. They are going to probably lose 120 games. <laughs> no, we're probably 110. I don't want to say 120 because then that means they got to lose out. Um Chandler, your thoughts on the AL West? How this race got interesting? The Mariners are in this this rear view as well. Well, I'll start with the with the Angels. Um, Artie Moreno, number one, should have sold the team when he said he was going to sell the team. As long as he owns that team, that team's not going to be any good. Um, he is a terrible. Well, he's a terrible owner, but and, and, and at one point he was the worst owner in that division. But we all know the Oakland ownership group got that title now. Um, you should have traded both Otani and Trout. You should have traded them both because you got no talent in your farm system. You got no talent in your major league roster other than Trout and Otani. And stop telling me that Mike Trout, Mike Trout, one of the greatest players ever. What has Mike Trout done to help that team actually win anything? Oh, Mike Trout comes back. You had Mike Trout for 10 years. How many times you made the playoffs? Okay, when has he ever come? Tell me a Mike Trout moment in a big game. You can't name one. The reason he likes being out there is because he, the, he don't want the spotlight on him. Everybody forgets about him. Yes, Otani's the MVP. You should have traded him because he's going to walk away because he knows this dude can pitch a pitch seven innings, give up two hits, no runs, hit two home runs, and your team still loses. How is that possible? Because you have no talent on the roster. You have no talent in your farm system. And don't talk about the kid that came up this year. Oh, one good player in, t- in, in, in the past 10 years. Wow. No. Moreno, sell the damn team. Otani, is going to say thanks, but no thanks when they offer him money. And you should have traded Trout when you could. And wait a minute. Oh, and Texas, now me and Mike both said this before the season, that we thought the Rangers were going to be up at the top of the West because they have a great manager. They have the guy wanted managing the Yankees and Bruce Bochy. Bruce Bochy can manage a pitching staff. He was a very good catcher, not great, not a Hall of Famer, but a very good catcher. In his time, not a, not a great hitter, but a very good catcher. He knows how to run a team. Look at the teams he won with in San Francisco. Name three star players off those teams in San Francisco he won with. You can't because he don't need stars to win. He knows how to galvanize a team. Plus, you're still, you know, it, it, I like Texas. You know I hate Houston, so I hope that team crashes and burns. And shame on Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred for what they're doing to the city of Oakland for what they're doing. You tried to hold that city hostage. You, you said a, a city 
with an extremely high level of poverty, a city in an economic time when people can't afford to feed their children should pay more taxes so a billionaire can have a new stadium. Oh, and you wanted to move the team anyway because there's too many brown people there. And then you let the ownership group trade away every good asset they have and then say, but the fans are coming. Anybody paying what it costs to go to a baseball game and see that garbage? Shame on Rob Manfred. Shame on the ownership group. Artie Moreno sell the damn team. Mm. Because uh, <laughs> one of the uh, one of the CEOs at my job, right? He uh, said he formerly worked for a company that would send him out to Oakland often. He said, Ty, I went out there and went to an A's game last year. The ticket to park the car was more than the ticket to get in the game. And he said he sat 11th row behind the plate. Come on. Come on. So, like, I don't even get the imbalance of what's going on in Oakland. Like, that, it, it's just scary that you guys not only are watching history about to leave. Like, like I always say, my father was a Reggie Jackson fan. My brother's favorite baseball player was Ricky Henderson. All of that happened in Oakland. Y'all don't have no grasp on trying to keep that there. It's just like, okay, just send them to Vegas and let them flourish in Vegas. No, what, what happened? Like, I, I don't get it. And, and knowing that the newscaster said the other day how the uh, the possums are in the booth with them, like, what, what, you guys let a Major League Baseball park get that bad? Like, boy, I could go on and on about Oakland. Mike, your thoughts on the AL West, the teams that have been mentioned? I didn't know Chandler was that bad on Houston. He don't like Dusty. But it's getting interesting, nevertheless, for the separation of two and a half games between the Rangers and the Astros, the Battle of Texas at this point in time. So I'm going to say one thing about the Open A and move on. This team is more games back than they have wins. Uh, next subject, the Angels, uh, listen, when you don't have a farm system, you got to try to do anything you can to try to be competitive. They brought Logan O'Hoppy back uh, for Brandon Marsh, and maybe he ends up being a franchise catcher. We'll see. They recently got him back off injury. He looked good the first month plus of the season. Um, you got to find whatever diamonds in the rough you can there. If you weren't going to trade Otani, which they didn't do, I guess you didn't want to be the GM to trade him, kind of like, uh, you know, somebody had to be the GM to trade Babe. So, listen, they did what they could. I feel like I, the front office tried to make an effort to win. Uh, they made some early signs in the offseason, like Hunter Renfro and those guys. Then when they had some guys banged up, they went and got like Estevar, Masaka, and that kind of thing. But they just they didn't get guys that are going to be uh, cogs in a first place team, especially when you don't have a front line like top of the line rotation. So um, they made moves, but the, the deal is is a lot of them are just two times, right? I mean. They also have a very tough schedule in August. Uh, it definitely lightens up for them in September, but I just think <clears throat> that this stretch of games 
or this run by the Angels is buried and too far for them to be relevant. I think they probably lose Otani, but I think they definitely, you know, they'll definitely make a play <clears throat> for sure. You have to when you don't trade him. Uh, but I agree he's probably going to say thanks, but no thanks. And I agree with a lot of what was said there about Mike Trout. Now, the others, you could see three teams in this division make the playoffs. Ten and I went back and forth. He said one at one point recently. Uh, you could see three. Uh, <clears throat> so before I get to Texas and Houston both, look out because it took them longer to start doing this. But Seattle now, 13 out of their last 16, and if you look at that, they're only a game and a half behind the Astros. So they're that close to that second <clears throat> to second place in that division. They are so that puts them four back of Texas. I mean, this is legitimately a three-team race uh, for this division and for this wild card, and to see if these teams can can maintain. Uh, as we go over the other divisions and see that some other teams have uh, have fallen off, you know, if the playoffs started today, three of these teams would be in the playoffs. You would have uh, Seattle at Minnesota, and then you would have Houston playing Tampa, and that would be your first-round playoff matchups with the Rangers and the Orioles getting the buys. would be, you know, how it would start. So Julio Rodriguez has caught fire. He really started slow. People wondered what was going on. Uh, but he has absolutely caught fire. Uh, this lineup is starting to hit a little bit. This team kind of uh, <clears throat> even sold off a couple of pieces. Uh, Paul Seawalls and the Diamondbacks and a few other things. But Seattle playing some good ball. You know, this is a team that I thought had a legit shot to be there <clears throat> come postseason time. And <clears throat> right now they're playing their way into the discussion. Can they maintain is the interesting thing. Uh, like them or not, when I look at the Houston Astros, I do see a team that appears to be rounding in the shape. Abreu just went down for a little while, though, after starting to kind of be on the mend. But Altuve's back, and Jordan Alvarez is back. <clears throat> and Kyle Tucker is a legit superstar in this game. Uh, he's, and now you got Verlander back at the top of that rotation and Jose, Jose Urquidy back. So this is a a team that is rounding the shape and every bit looks like a, a playoff contender. And in a lot of ways, I think when they get there, even if it's as a wild card, uh, Vegas is going to have them pretty high as far as uh, favorites out of, the, out of the American League because of a been there, done that kind of thing with the Houston Astros. <clears throat> but – Chandler's right. He and I have talked multiple times on our show about uh, the Texas Rangers. It's a team that can they pitch enough. Scherzer was really good uh, last time out. I do not know. I know that Josh, they got Jonah Hyde back recently, but I know Josh Young is hurt. I'm not sure if he's back this year, or I honestly have not done my homework on reading the injury notes yet uh, on Josh Young. Of course, Seager stays in the lineup with what him and Simeon are doing in the middle of that infield. This team can hit. They're offensively pretty scary. Uh, dropped a couple of games to Milwaukee uh, this weekend, but this is a legit playoff team, and with a manager like Bruce Bochy legitimately have a shot. Don't don't be surprised. That, you know, Seattle's still the one that I have the most questions about as far as them being able to maintain. But I will still say that, that crazy enough, this team, division could still have three teams 
uh, in the playoffs. These are three good teams at the top of this division. And Seattle is uh, is really starting to find its stride. And, and Houston and Texas are just solid rosters. I, I worry about the depth of the rotation in Texas, but I w- we know that Bruce Bogey knows how to manage pitching. And so I think he will get uh, the most out of it. So this is going to be a fun division to watch. And so this one, too, what's fun is it's not just whether you make the playoffs or not, uh, but just this division because all these teams could be could be in contention there. This this might be one of the more exciting races as we get through this last uh, 40 games of the season. Okay, so now to my Vanessa Williams saving the best for last. Um, <laughs> what city is going to get? I don't know if it get messy, but I'm going to love this. This is a part I love. I do. So they consider this the best division in baseball, which they are across the board. Everybody's above 500. Oh, I have that wrong. There's a team that's not at 500, so we will get to this shortly. The AL East is being led by the Baltimore Orioles, who are sitting at 76-47, the best team in the AL. The Tampa Bay Rays are saying, hi, Mom, in their rear view, 75-51, and 51, two and a half back, especially the way that the race started. They collapsed. Now they're trying to finish up strong. Can they get the division lead? This is an impressive, I don't even know, like idol. I, I don't know if they catch the Orioles. The Orioles are where they need to catch them. This, this is interesting. I do like how this race is going down in the AL East. Followed up by the Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays are 68-56. and 56. They are eight and a half back. Playing some good ball, nevertheless. Uh, one of the teams I feel like will still be in the thick of things for the next three to four years. I, I still feel like it. They could try to make a run at the wild card. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they can. Um, followed by the Boston Red Sox, 65 and 58, 11 back, and actually playing good ball as of lately. And uh, just went to the Bronx, and, well, I'll get to that right now. The team that is at the bottom of the division are the New York Bronx Bomber Yankees. 60 and 63, 16 games back. People, I didn't know it was this bad, right? Like, because I'm used to seeing them do well or good or great. I'm I'm a stubborn, sour Twins fan that was always getting beat up by the Yankees all the time, right? But to see the Yankees struggle like this at this point in time, they have not seen this type of output this late in the season since 1995. This has been 28 years of them running around the major leagues and doing damage to everybody. This was Donnie Baseball's last season. This is right before Jeter came and turned everything around in New York City. For the Yankees to struggle this bad with the names that they have is is mind-boggling. Um, I was reading something in the middle of the week, and they said the three names that they need to get rid of, Number three was Aaron Boone. Number two was Josh Donaldson. Number one was Brian Cashman. Boy, if they at least lose one and three, what happens in the Bronx now? Like, who do they fit into the GM spot to figure out what Cashman has been doing? And and I get it. They like to pin a lot of it to Cashman. Where some of it blames him, but he's putting good players on the field, and they just aren't 
putting it together. And then the Aaron Boone situation, I think Aaron Boone definitely handed his keys over. His key card ain't going to work after what happened in Chicago, losing to the White Sox and getting, you know, <laughs> the ump worked out and, and, you know, doing a punch out, you know, example that he gave him and tried to mock him. This, I never think I would see the Yankees implode like this, like now, like with the potential that they do have. And I continue to say it. I may not like the Yankees at all just because of competitive nature, but there's players on the team that I do like. Where, where did Stanton go? Please somebody tell me, where did Giancarlo, the bomb threat, Stanton go? Where did he go? Please somebody tell me, like, what happened? You forced a judge to come back. You just gave this guy a couple hundred mil. And he don't even look like he's running good when he's trying to leg out to get to first base. Like, he, he does not look good. So you guys are investing this much money into these players and not having the output come out there. Severino's getting slapped around. That, that's another thing. And then uh, Dominguez had his issue, so you're going to lose a pitcher regardless. He's going to end up leaving because I really feel like the clubhouse he, – he lost the clubhouse, put it that way. Let me say it like that. Total disarray in the middle of New York, and I can't believe it that these guys are slowly falling lower than 500. I would figure that they'd be hovering around this the 60 and 60 record. They they don't look like they can get up. I feel like they've fallen and really can't get up. But this is a very interesting race because I feel like the Blue Jays make it interesting too. Um, like I said, Baltimore and Toronto. I mean, excuse me, Baltimore and Tampa are going to go to the finish line with this. I feel like in uh. I'm here for it. I got my popcorn ready. Uh, Chandler, I'm going to let you have at it. This is the division that you like, the AL East. And if you want to talk about your favorite GM, your favorite skipper, and your favorite third baseman, you sure can. Yeah. I'll start with um, Baltimore. I love what they're doing. Love their young players. I had said that they would be second in the division. They're going to win the division. Um, Boston, listen, Hein Bloom is not a great general manager. There's no talent on that team. There's no talent in the farm system. So I don't see anything good coming for Boston over the next couple of seasons until they decide that they want to win again and spend some money. Uh, Tampa's Tampa. You know, it is what it is with Tampa. Toronto is interesting because the players in Toronto – they start out slow every season when they shouldn't because it, it seems like they think they can just roll their jerseys out and win. And then when they finally realize, oh, we got to play, it's kind of too late. Uh, we saw what they did with Manoa. They had to send him down to A ball to get his attention because he spent the whole offseason talking about Garrett Cole. Um, maybe you should have worked on your craft a little bit. But let me get to the Yankees. I've been saying for 15 years now, that Brian Cashman was a terrible GM. He's gotten credit for things he shouldn't get credit for. He did not build those teams that won World Series. He did not build those teams. All he did was caretake. And when all those players left, and Jeter was the one left, when O'Neill and Tino and Bernie and those guys left, those teams couldn't win anymore. Brian Cashman has been a New York Yankees GM for 25 years. Here are the players that his player development system has developed. Robinson Cano, Aaron Judge, and Luis Severino. Severino is at best a number three starter when he should be a one or a two. He still hasn't learned to pitch. Aaron Judge and Robinson Cano, who you traded away. 
That's it. Can we count Alfonso Soriano? No. No, because you traded him away. So, and honestly, he really never developed as a Yankee. He really did. He all he did was he hit a lot of home runs, but he was never he, he never um finished him off defensively. He should have been a better hitter. He should have been a better defender. And then you got rid of him early. So I'm not counting Soriano. I'm not counting. But if you want to count him, okay, four players in 25 years. The Atlanta Braves can develop develop four players in, in 24 months. Okay. And you've developed four players in 25 years. Don't tell me about Anthony Volpe. Let me see what Anthony Volpe is in a year and a half. Because I remember Gary Sanchez. Okay? I remember um, Miguel Andujar. Okay? There's a whole lot of young players that came up, and we said, oh, they're the next wave of Yankees, and all of them flamed out. Davey Garcia got DFA. Brian Cashman is great at finding a below-average player and turning him into an average player. He is great at finding a fringe reliever and making him a really good reliever. Tell me the last good player that came to the Yankees and maintained their level or got better. There isn't any. Even CC was not the same with the Yankees. Okay? They ruined so many pitchers that they got from Paxton, Avaldi, you name it. Okay? So this season, this season is not on Aaron Boone because he didn't pick this talent. First of all, this team is a bunch of nice guys. They don't have a fire starter. They had a fire starter. His name was Josh Donaldson. And if you look at the stats, up until the incident with Tim Anderson with Judge and Boone threw Donaldson under the bus and called him a racist, which was wrong, Donaldson was hitting at that point. He hasn't hit since. So you neutered the fire starter because this is a team full of guys. This team has no heart. They have no heart. You have a lot of quiet leaders. Where's your fire starter? Where's the guy that's going to get in people's faces? Where's the guy with the edge? There ain't one on this team. Because Cashman made sure not to get anybody with an edge. Remember when he said Marcus Stroman couldn't even start for the Yankees? And then they, and then they got smoke-checked in the playoffs? I remember that. Giancarlo Stanton is only making $18 million. The next season he might be making $15 million. So miss me with the, he's making this much money. Giancarlo Stanton ain't making that much money. He made all his money with the Marlins because they front-loaded his contract. The next four or five years of his contract, he'll be making around between 15 and $17 million. That ain't a lot of money in baseball these days. And also, he's hurt. He's playing on one leg. Whether he says he's healthy or not, you can look at that man and see he ain't healthy. But he's going to the post every day. This is a bad team. You knew you needed a left fielder before the season started. You went to the, you going in with Jake Bauer and Billy McKinley and all these cats when you knew you should have signed Cody Bellinger, but you didn't. And then, well, let's just trade for Cody Bellinger. And the Cubs said, oh, screw you, buddy. This is on Cashman. Cashman should have been fired. He needs to be fired. Let Brian Sabian, the guy who built all those Giants World Series teams, let him be the GM. Let Omar Minaya, who's also in the Yankee front office, Start doing the scouting and player development because we know Omar can, can, can find talent and develop it because we gotta, all we got to do is look across town to Queens with the Mets teams and the players that he brought in there. This is on Cashman. This is a bad team. I don't give a damn about the names. 
This is a bad team. When you're pinch hitting for your catcher with Isaiah Kainafalefa, when you need a fly ball and he's a ground ball hitter, that's a bad team. The manager can't do anything if you don't give him talent to win. This team does not have talent to win. Oh, and by the way, how in the hell do you go in the season talking about you're going to start Clark Schmidt and Domingo Herman when you could have got some pitching? Now, this is all on Cashman. Okay. Um, interesting enough, man. Um, I, I don't want to see Cashman go because I do like him. Plus, the reason why I like him because uh, I know his daughter-in-law very closely. I know her very closely. But um, nevertheless, man, they got to pin it to somebody. I don't know if his head is rolling at the end of the season, but the way that it sounds from here and people around this area as well, I, I think they're going to try and pin it to Cashman. I don't know if Boone sticks around. It'll be interesting in itself, but the names that they do have, they, they have to do more damage than that. I never really even thought about what Chandler said. Is uh, When they put Kiner in the game, and um, this, this guy's basically an easy out, and uh, <laughs> they aren't trying to right that wrong at the end of the day. He was about to come to the Twins, and the Twins dealt him immediately. And, and when I see him have his ups, it's like we could have had him. When he has his downs, it's like, oh, goodness, like at least we dodged a bullet. So I've I, I seen this from afar. I still watch it, too. So. But nevertheless, I do want to see them at least be somewhat competitive. I feel like they will be starting to put some good games together in September. But just like Mike said about a month ago, the city of New York will be shut down for the baseball season when October comes around. That's from Flushing to the Bronx. It'll be shut down. Uh, Mr. Harvey, I'll let you unload the ALE. Okay, so with the ALE, uh, I'm, I'm going to start in Boston, and as not promising as like the prospects are, I think they've at least found a starting pitcher that can be in that rotation for a while. And Brady Bayo, uh, I like Tristan Casas. I think he's kind of started to settle in uh, as a first baseman. You got Trevor Story finally just making his way back. What can he do in the middle of the infield? They made the decision to go with Devers and let Bogarts go, and Devers is being productive. <clears throat> this team is going to have to spend some money, but I even like what they've gotten out of uh, Jared Duran um, in the outfield. They've kind of tried to, I think, in some ways, figure out. And uh, Yoshida case uh, the, from Japan has come over and done a really nice job uh, for this team. I think he probably profiles best as like a, a two hitter, but. He's, he's a legit offensive threat um, in this lineup for them. So they have some pieces. <clears throat> they are going to have – the model for them is going to have to be to spend some money in free agency and bring some people in. But I think they have some pieces in place that this team could be good. They're a hot streak away from being able to uh, make the playoffs, but they're not going to get there. I don't think – I mean, the Yankees and the Red Sox are both going to be sitting home. Um, I agree a lot of this is on Brian Cashman. I think that what's going to happen, though, is because he's been that way for a while, there will be uh, some kind of, like, politically correct kind of gesture where he will be offered some kind of advisory role or or something else or a reassignment in the organization if he wants to be, and then somebody else will take over. As long as he's been there, 
it'll kind of be a thank you for your service. We just kind of slide you onto the side. I think it's going to be something more like that than just you're fired. You know, like uh, for Root back in the day, uh, you're fired. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be that, like, abrasive. But I do think that this team does need to shake things up uh, in baseball operations. Even there's been some stuff come out recently about uh, problems or issues even in their minoring system. So it, it's it's not pretty right now in New York, but I, you do have Aaron Judge locked up for a long period of time if he's healthy and whatever. He is going to give you a present. So you have some things uh, to build off of, but a lot of work to do uh, right now. Uh, in New York, listen, Toronto has been sitting at that spot, like right there for the playoffs. Uh, for a while, as of today, they're half a game behind Seattle. So, I mean, it looks like you're going to get three teams from either the east or the west. Right now, if the if the season ended, you got the two teams leading the east, the two teams leading the west, and then Seattle, Toronto, uh, contending for that for that uh, wild card spot right there, that last wild card spot. And those are probably going to be – I mean, that's pretty much your race right here. I, I don't really think anybody else is going to really uh, do anything to contend or challenge that. I, I, I think you have those seven teams basically playing for those six spots. And so if you just want to – like, to be able to be short-sighted and keep an eye on something, uh, even as a casual fan through the rest of the uh, – season, watch how you know those teams do uh, continue for those spots because uh, they're right there. But the interesting thing with Toronto, we've said over and over again, it's if they pitch enough, and they've actually been getting pretty good pitching. Uh, Ryu just came back, and he's, he's starting to look like he can pitch. Uh, Bassett pitched good again yesterday. Uh, Jose Barrios, after another former twin, uh, after getting off to a slow start, uh, has really settled in and pitched well. Kevin Gossman is top five uh, LSU boy uh, in the top five in uh, strikeouts in the American League. And so you you look at that pitching staff, and now Manoa has come back. So this team is actually getting it done on the mound. It's finding consistency offensively. Uh, but they did just get Bobuchet back. You know, we talked about him. They got Paul DeJong from uh, <clears throat> St. Louis to kind of fill the gap when Bouchet was hurt, but. Now he's back in that lineup. Uh, Whit Merrifield has been, you know, former Kansas City Royal World Champion there, has been really steady as a veteran at the top of that lineup, hitting 290, stealing bases too. Uh, but with him and Bichette kind of in front of uh, Vlad and, and, and that lineup there, uh, you know, that, that offense has to be more consistent. They're explosive at times, but sometimes, uh, you know, they're just – up and down, but it's you know hard to hit a round ball with a round bat. But Toronto has a legit shot to still be in the playoffs too. So uh, that team is it could be a problem matchup when you have guys that have strikeout stuff. Uh, that's a team that that could be a problem. The teams at the top of that division, listen, Tampa is just finding a way, and you don't know how. I keep expecting them to fall off. They've had so many injuries to their starting pitching. We've talked about it over and over again. Rastus in spring, McClanahan, the, you know, three guys, three-fifths of the starting rotation. You know, they've had to get creative and stretch other guys out like Zach Little into being starters. But the offense is starting to hit. And then Baltimore, 
all these good young players, like this team can be fun for a while. I thought they were a year away, Tim, you've heard me say that. You said you thought they were a second-place team. Uh, this team is is legit. The thing I worry about with Baltimore is can they pitch. I really worry about both pitching with both of those teams, and I think they're both going to make the playoffs. But I wonder if that lack of experience and lack of depth in the pitching staff might be really what is their undoing right now. Um, in the postseason, but I believe that both of these teams really do um, have staying power in this division, which is going to make it very, very interesting, you know, as we continue to move forward, TP, because Baltimore is not going anywhere. Um, and Tampa somehow, some way, always finds a way to put a quality product on the field. And even the third-place team in this division is, is uh, really good. So, uh, you know, this is not uh, a bunch of uh, also rands that the Yankees and Red Sox can beat up on as they try to rebuild. So uh, this is a tough division, and, you know, <clears throat> once again, could be as many as three teams in the playoffs, but this is the one division that I don't think we have any doubt that there's at least two from there for sure going to be there. The Yankees beat up on somebody. What? No, don't say that again. Please leave that alone. That's what I'm saying. It can't happen right now at all. That, yes, these teams aren't. That, these teams aren't what they used to be. This ain't. This. This isn't like, you know, a, the Toronto Blue Jays or uh, Baltimore Orioles of a decade ago. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you don't have these. These teams aren't those teams you can fatten up on as you try to rebuild. It's a tough road in this division now. Well, as of now, the New York Yankees are John Legend, a.k.a. Ordinary People. Okay, so Sport, Sport City, um, we are at the end of the show. I thought we were going to be able to get to the NFL. Um, yeah, Chandler just dropped off, too. I, I wanted to get a closeout from him. Um, the Browns and the Eagles had a tie score Thursday night, 18-18. The Panthers and the Giants were 21-19 on Friday, followed up by a 13-13 tie with the Bengals and the Falcons. The Saturday games, the uh, the Jags beat the the Lions twenty five to seven. The Dolphins beat the Texans twenty eight to three. The Steelers beat the Bills twenty seven to fifteen. The Colts beat the Bears twenty four seventeen. The Bucks beat the Jets thirteen to six. The Patriots beat the Packers, and this game was stopped uh, twenty one to seventeen. The Titans won their matchup up against the Vikings twenty four to sixteen. The Chiefs blew out the Cardinals 38-10. to The Niners went a nail-biter 21-20 up against the Broncos. The Raiders won their matchup 34-17 to up against the Rams. And the Seahawks beat the Cowboys 22-14. to The game today is Mike Saints up against the Chargers in L.A. tonight. And the Saints are favored, but it's just, I don't even care about, like, the favorite situation. They're favored by three-and-a-half preseason. Um Mike, give me your, your thoughts on this uh, week two of preseason football and then uh, close out as well. So I I thought Trey Lance looked okay uh, for San Francisco. I think it's a story to watch. I think you keep him. Uh, no matter what, there's go, I'm going to be a lot of trade talk. I think you keep him. <clears throat> Let him con- continue to develop because this team didn't have a quarterback last year. And if for some reason you do move forward without him at some point, you know, preseason is your chance even next year to continue to build his value, and you have him. So uh, <clears throat> don't buy into that trade talk. 
I think the Titans showed you what kind of football team they're going to try to be. Uh, running the ball, Tajay Spears from uh, Tulane, other running backs, a, a lot of rushing yards. I, I think they're going to try to be a physical football t- team and be an anomaly in uh, the NFL today. Um, I thought Seattle starters looked pretty good. Uh, Garoppolo decent with, um, in his first start. Uh, listen, I, I think it was really good to see Tua out there. Uh, on the field and performing or whatever, even taking a hit and popping back up and whatever. So uh, it didn't seem to be anything over the top or anything. So uh, I think it was, you know, helpful for uh, Dolphins fans to see <clears throat> Tua out there. So, but so excited. Football's, you know, on its way back uh, for sure. So, uh, you know, we'll, We'll see as far as the plug and close out. Check us out, man. SportsCityChefs.com blog, website. Uh, we got uh, our website. We got blogs. We got finger foods. And we got shows throughout the week coming at you. Um, we have our time this Sunday morning brunch that we're doing right now, 11 a.m. Eastern and then weeknight. Uh, the time doesn't change. The subjects do a little bit, but we also try to cover a little bit of everything uh, most nights. But check us out. Uh, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. It is the NFL front office show on Tuesday night. Callers cookout with Villain versus Timers. We're good, always wins on Wednesday night. And then we also have Roundtable Gumbo with Chandler Knight and myself on Thursday. Shout out to Chandler, man. Does a good job of me getting everything scheduled and running boards and all the spice he always brings. Like, listen, Gumbo is a good name for any show that, uh, Chandler is a co-host as well because, you know, Chandler doesn't hold back on, on bringing Spice Love, having him in here. He'll always tell you to uh, reach out, veterans say yes when asked to do things. Remember, there's uh, support lines out there, so talk to people. Mental health is something serious, guys. And uh, listen, don't be don't be afraid to reach out or make a call anytime you ever need it. Uh, love and respect to you, TP. Without you, I wouldn't be here, brother. I appreciate you uh, bringing me into the Sports City Chef family. I uh, look forward to talking to you all again this week as we continue to move forward. PHIParrel.co, chefs, at checkout for 15% off TP and laissez-les bombs on roulette. Everybody, please enjoy your Sunday. We got one more football game to go and a week full of sports, that's for sure. We are getting close to my set of months. The bird months are coming. Uh, we about a week. Well, I'll, I'll give it two and a half weeks. I'll say two and a half weeks from NFL regular season week one, and my boys kick this thing off. I really cannot wait it now. I feel like Christmas is coming. Um, but nevertheless, like I said, you know, all of these races across the board in the MLB have gotten interest, especially in the uh, American League. Every, every race is tight. Every race is tight. I mean, the Rangers went crazy. And, and look at the doggone Astros is right there in their rear view, and, the Twins are trying to find their their way, but five games I feel like ain't comfortable. Like I, if they could get like seven or eight, then it's comfortable. But right now I still feel like Cleveland or Detroit could make this interesting. And just like I said, in the AL East, you, you got the Orioles and the Rays making this thing like one of those picture-perfect finishes. Who wants the East? That That is for sure. And it, it's a different time and era in New York. I, I can't believe like New York is slowly breaking down baseball-wise, like the Mets and – the money that they spent, the power that they have there and can't do anything with it, and the power that the Yankees have, 
it looks like they have no spark at all. Like the, the Monstars and, and Space Jam came and took their talent. But Sports City, please stay tuned. Everything that we got going throughout the week, just like Mike mentioned, check out the website with all of the blogs and everything that the chefs are hitting you with, giving you that good old food for thought. Hopefully you guys still can do those dishes. On that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, chefs. Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.